Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, child and adolescent psychiatrist Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Adult psychiatrist. Uh, Tosha, did you say hi to me? Sorry, I think I cut out for a second. My internet's not that stable right now. My oh, that's what they all say. <sighs> Sorry. Hi, guys. <laughs> uh, adult psychiatrist, Dr. DM Wynn. Hi, DM. Hi, Aaron. Now that Tosha's in attending, she doesn't want to say hi to you anymore. <laughs> I was getting a little hurt, yes. Fourth-year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. Saloni Singh. Hi, Saloni. Hi, everyone. And second-year psychiatry resident, Dr. Alan Atkins. Hi, Alan. Hey, Aaron. I'm a third-year now. Oh my gosh, I so apologize. You told me that too. I so apologize. I, I, third year, third year folks, mark, mark that down, third year. Uh, the views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent the University of California, UC Riverside Counseling and Psychological Services or UCR's School of Medicine. Well, this episode is the 100th episode of Let's Get Psyched. Yeah, so I mean, we're, uh, you know, how are we going to do an episode like this? Uh, we kind of wanted it to be a little bit different, but it's so risky and uh, of being self-indulgent, of self-importance, and uh, that just gives me an uncomfortable feeling. I'm sure listeners, there's some f- folks out there that it's also going to be uncomfortable. So we don't want to do that, but what did we do? We tried to collect... Um, some different questions that don't make up a full show, but they're interesting questions to discuss. We have also joining us our producer, Elliot Fong. Hi, Elliot. Hi, Aaron. And he's going to be asking some of these questions or maybe facilitating some of these things. Um, I kind of want to start out with a little bit of a back scenes uh, foundational kind of statement that about the show. I had... I have these like uh, uh, PSAs that I would do at KUCR, and that's kind of how I got familiar with folks at the station. And then we pitched the show. We talked about it at a Vietnamese restaurant. We all got together and talked about a Vietnamese restaurant. Do you remember that, Elliot? Absolutely. And, and Tosha, yeah, mm-hmm. and, yeah. So, uh, uh, and you know, we've we've grown, I think. And this is actually technically this is not the hundredth episode. I, I I'm okay with saying that we had a growth phase where we were stumbling over our words and we were amateurs. I'm not saying that we're professionals now, but it did, it, it, it's not good. You don't want to listen to those shows. You do want to listen to it if you want to go to sleep, if you have insomnia or something, but you don't want to listen to those shows. Um, but we, 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 got, we picked up our style. Elliot, what would you say is different now? Do you think we do something better now? How, how would you describe it, how we've grown or changed? I think you all are more cohesive, more comfortable, and just all around you know, more comfortable in front of the microphone and just knowing how to, um, you know, work with each other and, and kind of laugh. You know, sometimes when you first get on the mic, everybody's serious and, 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 and solemn. But after a while, you get loose, happy, and I like the, uh, the dynamic between everybody. I remember um, one of the things I, I want for the show is just to be honest. This is a completely unscripted show. So I'm going to say, you, you don't know the questions I'm going to say, everybody. I'm going to ask you some questions. You don't, I, you don't know those questions. I, it's a completely unscripted show. I, I did feel like if, you know, if we enjoy the show, that's good. And so I try to be honest. But I remember that first, the very, very, very first show, I was honest. And then Tosha said, that you're, you sound like you're on a dating profile. You're just describing who you are. You're like backpacking and biking. Get off that. Just, I don't remember saying that. Making everyone feeling very uncomfortable. 
And so I've, I, I, I don't do that anymore. I don't begin the show giving a dating profile. Oh, shoot. Um, I'm sorry. So I don't, no, I don't I'm that. I do, I'm just joking with you. But, you, but <laughs> yeah, but I, what I was trying to do is encouraging everyone to be very honest because I kind of feel there's a lot of on there's a little bit of lack of honesty there's too much scripting out there with different shows but let's get and to that, it that's been a tension between us that, that i've grown a lot from i think for me as someone who is applying to fellowship this year and uh you know being on the air is is i think a very nerve-wracking thing for for doctors and mental health professionals in general and um i think aaron has helped me realize like you know there's a there's a lot more humanity that can be expressed on the air than than what i realized uh and i, I am the force i'll admit that i'm often the force trying to push to script things and there aaron's like no no we're not scripting this and i'm like no but i want to i want to have some smart things. i like i like the yin and yang energy though i like that yeah. i totally yeah. i'm fine with that so glad alan that you enjoy you kind of joined what like midway i think around yeah i think 46 around i was four, yeah almost exactly midway yeah yeah. No, it's great, and, and it's great, and of course uh, we want to not say to uh, 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 leave this episode without saying about Edgar. Edgar, it was busy and unfortunately wasn't able to, and Joshua, uh, they they are both busy and unfortunately couldn't make for uh, this show, but they're going to be in future shows. But we want to recognize that they're a part of the foundation and the creation of the show. Well, let's get to the questions. Cause let's get to these topics and, and yeah, go ahead, Alan. Just before I do that, one more, th- I, I mean, I think it's worth a- acknowledging uh, Saloni's addition, um, but also, and, and, and how she's been able to just bring, I mean, when Saloni came on, we were um, kind of just a little bit taken aback by how effortlessly intelligent everything she said was. We were like, we want her. <laughs> and then that's been something he's been able to, just add to the show. Um, and, and I also want to thank, um, Ismail, our intern, um, who, who was behind our being able to get higher profile people on the show, which now seems to be kind of becoming a pattern. And then Elliot for, I mean, basically lacing together the backbone of this show for as long as I've been here, uh, Mm -hmm. making everything happen that I don't even know how it works and that all this stuff, uh, makes this an actual show. And thank you, DM. All right, so that have we gotten all this uncomfortable backslapping out of the way? Because like, I, I feel like a golden the- globe speech, people. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. We should, that'd be funny if we had our worst episode ever. Listeners, please don't leave. Please don't. Leave. <laughs> okay, they left already. All yeah, of the- <laughs> Let's get to the questions. All right, Elliot. These collections of questions. Go dive in. Ask whatever. Start with whatever question you want. Okay. What concepts and ideas have you learned or were reinforced from doing the podcast and how have you implemented them into your practice? How was your experience? Yeah, do you Probably have- the easiest transition is what Alan already brought up. I think with doctors, especially doctors in training, there's kind of a third wall. Um, like there's this invisible professional boundary that we feel like has to be imparted through all our life. And the radio show kind of releases that third wall where you can express more thoughts that you usually kind of keep to yourself. Um, and it being able to release that, it's kind of very, it's very therapeutic, at least for me. And I so- totally agree. Yeah, there's a level of expression that we don't get to 
have on a, a regular day-to-day clinical experience. And um, I, I would also say my personal experience, I've noticed through doing these recordings, I've I picked up on having a few more inattentive symptoms than I initially thought I had. Um, but I think overall- Wait, I don't know what that means. Did you say you have attention deficit problems? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I've picked up on- um, some of those issues from recording, but also I, I, I think personally, I've never had any sort of experience doing anything like dramatic or theatrical, you know, some sort of performance art. Um, and this is the first time I've ever like dipped my toes into this sort of thing. I mean, you remember Aaron, when you initially approached me with the idea to do a radio show, I didn't want to be a host. I wanted to do like the background, like research and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's hilarious. Yeah, that was hilarious. I, there's no way you're not going to be on the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you challenged me because I, I do feel, um, uh, I've grown a lot. Yeah. I'll say I, I've grown a lot and feeling comfortable with expressing myself a little bit more. Somebody else. I like, yeah, DM, I like what you said about, and, and DM and Tosha, what you both said about expressing yourselves and becoming more comfortable with that and, you know, the stuff that we hold back because of that professional boundary. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I catch myself because sometimes I recommend this show to my patients and I have to be careful when I do that because I want to make sure that I'm discussing my patients, obviously, in, I mean, in the abstract, but in, but in a, in a, in a respectful way, right? I think that's what the whole point of the show is that in an effort to make sure that we don't appear like we know, you know, more than every or more than everybody else and all of that and not appear so self-important. We also have to remember that, you know, to be respectful of our patients and what we're talking about. And I think that because of that, you know, as when I started recommending this to my patients, I realized, wow, I, I do have to catch myself and make sure that I'm not just talking about them like they're a specimen or something like that. You know, I think that's what's important because that's what patients want to feel is that their doctor actually cares about them and sees them as a person and not just as a disease or a statistic, especially when it comes to mental illness. Now, am I reading this wrong that it's a little bit easier for me to be comfortable about being um, open and commenting on things? My political views, which is, again, something that we've kind of discussed. I'm completely open, I feel, about my political views. Because of my age... Like, I feel like I've already kind of established something and no one's going to be firing me. I, I, I can get a job for fairly easy, <laughs> fingers crossed. And uh, also my, orient <laughs> my orientation, my orientation is kind of humanistic existentialist, which is, you know, you kind of try to meet people where they're at and you try to be super honest. Whereas psychiatrist has a strong Freudian foundation where it's more of a, you, you face away from the client, you're kind of a blank slate. Is that, am I reading that right or? I think very much so. And medicine in general, we are taught really that, I think we look down as a field on fame earned through media. We we like the Paul Farmers and we like the the, the researchers who, um, you know, have, have come to fame through their th thousands of publications. But the Dr. Oz's of the world we we judge really harshly a lot of the time for good reason and and which is partly why for me it's so important to to really have as to, to toe that line between fun and credibility very carefully on our show all right next question 
Next listener question: What silly questions, concepts, or ideas do you have about the psychology psychiatry field that you'd like to discuss, but you think may not be serious enough? I'm gonna go ahead and say it. There's no such thing as being too silly. I think we can talk about anything. That's the whole point of the show. <laughs> we should. I have don't a- know about that. My partner has a lot oh, of God. ideas for the oh, show, <laughs> but I always say no. I do not want to have a discussion about the ethics of bestiality. I don't. Want to- I was gonna say those for those <laughs> weird. God. That is really controversial. Yeah, no, that's their lines. <laughs> wow. We should have a whole show about uh, Alan. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I continue to to be an opposing factor in our. We've there have been a few times, including like very recently, that we've discussed whether we should do a show on Britney Spears' conservatorship, and I, I'm very kind of doggedly adherent and maybe nervous about violating this thing in psychiatry called the Goldwater Rule, where we we don't speculate or make diagnoses about public figures, and. We've had issues about kind of whether to do that or not with Trump, because at some point a public a public uh, endangerment issue might trump some of the ethical guidelines in sight. But, yeah, we've thought about a lot of the time. Well, you know, we're really uniquely positioned to comment on what conservatorship is and what Britney Spears might be going through. Should we do that? And my that's brought a lot of fear to my little heart. Yeah, that's something that we're we've, we're trying to work on. We're trying to get someone in. To, to talk, maybe talk about that with some, that's some expertise in the room. We do it responsibly. We're trying to do these things responsibly, I th- I'd say, honestly, but responsibly. Right. Yeah, I think we've done Anybody that. else uh, silly? So I, I feel like, the, I, when I hear that, I feel like uh, there's a lot of nerdy things that we can talk about, but psychology, I don't know about the broad appeal of, that, of them, though. I think that they would have a very narrow audience about you know why what what may why what's going on with bad drivers uh what, what would hey, different ways appearances and uh, yeah i know it early on when we were trying to brainstorm topic ideas um some of the ones that we came up with were like discussing our own fears or like you know more making it more personal and i think we've we kind of shied away from that um because well I and my for myself, I didn't think people would think that was very interesting and a little too um, oh. like self-indulgent and all, all of that that we were we've been talking about. Well, I mean, I, I have a question that I'd like to ask you know everybody, uh, and you know, feel free to answer it or not. But what um, and it is does talk about your opinion. What do you feel is the most exciting uh, thing that you are doing currently and in your own practice? that you are most excited about, most energetic about, and then, and what, just overall, what do you feel most excited about in the future of psychiatry, and for Ed, I guess for me, or psychology? Um, and if you're just joining us, you're listening to Let's Get Psych's 100th episode, and we're having, we're, we're fielding a lot of different listener questions. So who would like to ta- tackle that? Does it, like, what do you feel most I'm, I'm energized? I'm most excited about psychedelics. Um, oh, okay. Like, can you list off a few, like you're talking about? Well, like MDMA, psilocybin, LSD. I'm excited to see what happens with that in, you know, um, mainstream psychiatric practice. Yeah, it's very exciting. I I, I would say something about, um, you know, the... the um, uh, the cranial electrotherapy stimulation device that people can take at home. Like, are those going to be effective for um, mood and anxiety, uh, pain, things like that? I feel like 
uh, anything that can be distilled to some sort of take-home device, everything's getting smaller and, 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 and in the form of an app where it could be almost supervised by some sort of uh, clinical eyes can be on, but you could just you could take it home and use it. That, I, th- I feel, might be uh, in the future exciting. And just for me personally, I, I, I'm very excited about um, metacognitive therapy. I'm doing that a lot in my practice. I feel that's very important. I feel like this has been something that's missing in my practice for a long time. I, I, metacognitive, it, it, it kind of blew my mind when I read it because I kind of felt, oh, yeah, yeah, metacognitive. So, yeah, what is that, a different way of cognitive therapy? But it kind of blew my mind <laughs> in that it's talking about how a lot of pain and suffering comes from uh, analyzing all your thoughts. And then, of course, this is how I look at everything. <laughs> I always try to apply it to myself. Oh my God. And it's what I do. And yeah. so I, I recognize very quickly that I ruminate too much and I analyze all my thoughts and I treat them kind of like facts in some ways, which is not yeah, good. Yeah, it sounds I'm, like I'm throwing, anxiety and depression, yeah. Which, which, I, which I, have, I am a victim of. I have a lot of anxiety, yeah. a lot of depression. Well, I had in the past depression, but I have a lot of anxiety. So mm-hmm. um, I, the the approach, I, I, I recommend like cl- clinical folks out there. Yeah, look it up. You know, I don't know if we're going to do a show on it, but that's what I'm excited about. If you're excited about it, we should do a show on it. I want to know more about that. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're all next. probably guilty of that, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Next question, Elliot. Okay. What concepts and approaches were successful in your practice, but maybe not for your colleague? What about the other way around? Oh, I remember um, kind of when we were talking about political stuff, talking with DM about like how one deals with people who have different political ideas than um, the provider and just having her, her bring about a lot of ideas that I hadn't really been exposed to that ended up kind of complicating my view of things and I think creating a lot of growth there um, in terms of having more of a framework for deciding like when is um, when is even going and talking about these areas actually helpful um, kind of being able to bring it back to like the frameworks that we use to assess when to speak and intervene on a patient's thoughts as if even as if it weren't a political discourse. So like, is this working for the patient? Is this creating major dysfunction in the patient's life? Um, checking one's own countertransference about it was just, uh, yeah, that was a growth moment for me. Thank you, Dan. Hmm. Wasn't aware I was doing it, but okay. <laughs> You're welcome, Alan. Okay. Anybody else? I think... I, for me personally, this, I feel like I've been very, I guess, tunneled into psychiatry, but through a medical perspective. And I think this show really opened up like a more therapy perspective that like I, we have some exposure to, but not a good deal. Um, And so I'm learning all these new concepts along the way, which is always great. I, I would second that. Like that's one of the biggest things I'm getting from this show is it forces me to do a lot of research, and it also I it get exposed to you all's expertise 
and I, on a you know weekly basis. So that's been incredibly growth enhancing for me. I think um, for me, I've noticed um, differences in how paternalistic we are as practitioners. Not, um, yeah, again, I've, that was interesting to me. That's so true. Even in the, like the same type of training program or the mm -hmm. same like steps that we've gone through in like kind of life that we, most of us have, we, we do have different ways that we approach patients. I was just going to say that I think I've also just in learning about therapy uh, through residency, I've noticed that I think doctors in general are more paternalistic than um, psychologists. What do you think causes that? There's a huge arrogance built into our training. Agreed. Oh, totally agreed. Wait, and I think therapists are arrogant sense, too, though. There's a big sense there's of responsibility. You think psychologists too. are arrogant too, uh, Dan? I think psychologists are arrogant, and like especially PhD. How dare you? Like, <laughs> I think they're so arrogant. They're like, yeah. Wait, anyway. I did I deserve a so arrogant? Couldn't you just left it arrogant? <laughs> so arrogant. Okay. I think anybody with long levels of training has been like, uh, ha they deserve their arrogance, right? To a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I I'm think gonna, there's own it. Yeah, Tosha. I think there's also um, a sense, I think that with, at the same time as we have more paternalistic feelings towards our patients, I think we also feel a lot more responsible um, at, there's something that in medical school we learn as, as like taking ownership of your patients. That's what we call it. Um, and the more senior you get, the more, uh, ownership you take over your patients and you feel, you feel responsible for their outcomes. Um, whereas in therapy, it's very clearly from the outset, like, you know, this really depends on how much work the patient puts in. <laughs> That's like outlined right at the beginning. Yeah. That and I think, good point. yeah, I think, um, I think it has to do with our training for sure. Medical school and keeping in mind that most people who go into psychiatry didn't start medical school thinking they were going to be psychiatrists. Right. So we come from right. this culture of medicine, which is that there's something objectively wrong happening here and this is the correct treatment for it. And this is what I'm going to provide you. And we have to, you know, show that we're authoritative for our patients in other contexts in our medical training outside of psychiatry. And then also keeping in mind that we're the one of the few fields where we are the test, right? We there's no lab test, and sim similar for psychologists too. Like we are the ones that assess the patient to be sick or not sick, um, and it can get confusing, you know, when we're so used to every other field being so, you know, objective, whereas mm -hmm. ours is also supposed to be objective. But you know, in reality, we know there's so much that we bring, you know, right. to the to the room. There's a lot of gray, yeah. It's quite a bit of power that you all have. Yeah, I kind of feel like the the paternalism starts the like that the minute you step into anatomy. It starts like that first year of medical school where you're doing something that other people just don't do, and you start dissecting people at, like literally. And I think it comes from a place of fear more than arrogance. Um, hmm. Like That's you are responsible for someone's life. And then as you go, you compound it. You're first like the patient who died. Like you can't help right. being like, are you responsible for this? The medications that like you give them that have side effects, like in long-term side effects, are you responsible for this? And then you start taking this on yourself. Whereas I think therapy, like you do great things to people's lives, but you don't 
you can't wreak havoc as easily as medicine. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, a certain, like, I, I think that to some extent, what I see is something I want in a therapist and want in myself as a therapist, which I'm learning a lot about. And we should do an episode on this is like the cultivation of wisdom. I think part of a lot of the cultivation of wisdom seems to come from things like having friends around value systems, taking time for stuff. It's, it's not as much, it seems that studies that have been done on it, it's not as much um, like, Oh, how many experiences have you had and how old are you? Um, but I do think to the extent that that might contribute, most doctors have had a few of their patients die at least. And psychiatrists, usually it's during intern year when we're taking care of people on, in, on internal medicine floors, but um, that's a life experience that changes how you relate to a patient. And especially when it's happened to you five or 10 times or more, depending on what services, whether you are on ICU and stuff. Um, I think that's a, a thing that, that I see as like a profound and spiritual growth. Wow. Good points, Alan. And yeah, we should do a, definitely a show on wisdom. It's a good one. Next question, Elliot. Okay, so um, what questions would you like to ask your fellow hosts and colleagues? I know, Dr. Parks, did you have uh, some questions? What, well, okay, here's one. What is the most controversial issue in psychiatry in the future? In the future, and and why? Like, what, what, and because we could do a show on this too. That might be part of what we're doing right here in this hundredth episode. Oh, that's such a. That's such a great question. Because I have my thoughts. I mean, you know, there's a lot of different things like, you know, uh, you know, neural stimulation, you know, to create certain feelings or certain or get rid of certain memories. Oh, um, we were just talking, Alan and I were just talking about an ECT episode. Okay, about that, about that very thing. You no, think that's, that's going to be the most controversial like issue of the future? That no, should have been no. buried 20 years ago yeah. when people realized ECT is the best treatment out there. Unless you're talking about like an app for like ECT. That like, right. Yeah, how much how much power to give people over this? You know, like what if they could do this like at home uh, and it could lead to uh, uh, minimizing or reducing their memory banks in some certain experiences oh, or that's, years that's probably right like do you the, yeah all the future stuff is that gonna sounds be like a black mirror related. episode <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah listeners watch black mirror is very good yeah anybody um, else? i have yeah. a question okay yes. how has fame changed you guys oh gosh oh gosh you just said you were gonna ask that question so yeah, and then, and then just help it. <laughs> you know we we do have to mention i think it is worth shouting out um robin on this show because there was a, a person who was brought to us that b became a very close friend of mine because of this show she realized Wait, really? she studied abroad with tosha and we we just ended up having all these connections, which she realized by because she was listening to this show. So that's been fun. I got a really, really uh, very special person in my life out of out of this show. Uh, you got something there. Good. Yeah. yeah you made the most yeah. of it. Wait, now, well, this is tongue in cheek. I mean, because we don't have a lot of listeners. OK, we're not. <laughs> that's why it's funny. That's what makes it funny. We're, we mostly do I mean, the show basically to ourselves. So. I have been very surprised at how successful we have been. I mean, it's not like crazy, but um, I have been surprised that we have so many listeners. Um, and, uh, you know, whenever someone says that they're that they're a listener, I 
I'm shocked. I'm ha has anyone had the experience of having um, just colleagues um, listen and just family members? Yes. There's been a family member that, oh, I listened to the Bubba episode and I didn't even know you listened to it. I thought you got enough of me this last weekend. And so, but yeah, that surprised me. Does that surprise yeah, you, Alan? I've had that. We had a new attending. So I want to I want to also give a shout out to uh, future Dr. Sadin Pakdikian, who's the president of APA's Psych Sign. Um, we we had, and I think has has definitely been a part of that. We we had a new doctor come on um, at the hospital I work I work at that I think came from the Harvard system. And someone told them about our podcast and they said, oh, I already know about that. People at Harvard listen to that. And I was just like, what? Wow. <laughs> so that was cool. But I, we, crazy. the space is opening up like more access um, to psych issues and psych topics and the more conversations. And it's interesting because I do wonder what the regulations will be for this moving forward. Um, but that's also something else I weirdly think about. And that is going to be the last word, DM. Thank you everyone out there for joining us for this hundredth episode of Let's Get Psyched on KUCR. Today we uh, thank you to our producer, Elliot Fong, for joining us. Uh, thank you. Good, good. And thank you to our co-hosts, Drs. Toshi Yamaguchi, DM Wen, Selene Singh, and Alan Atkins. If you have comments, questions, suggestions for the show, you can write us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. You can listen to past episodes of Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. And if you like tonight's show, please follow us and post a review. This episode was recorded remotely in our homes and edited by Elliot Fong. Our production assistant is Ismail Gonzalez. I've been your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched. <laughs>